Hello Internet, my name is Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And in this week's Screen Verdict film review, we're going to be talking about The Dictator. Yes. Everyone's talking about it. I think a lot of people are, uh, yeah. No one's spoken to me about it, but I've seen posters. The posters are talking about it. It got a lot of media coverage. Like, Sacha Barrett Cohen came to Sydney. He said things about our Prime Minister and the Speaker of our House and things. He was getting all into it. That's very Sacha Baron Cohen, always saying things about topical stuff to try and get attention. But the uh, the dictator's a bit straight down the line, bit run-of-the-mill. It's not really going to gather any reaction or offence, I don't think. No, it's a pretty safe film uh, from SBC, so... <laughs> it's is this, yeah, I was about to ask, like, is that you? Did you just make that up then? Yes. <laughs> when we were doing the podcast plan, I just wrote SBC, and I go, oh, that works quite well. Maybe maybe it'll catch on. Mm. People will just be hitting up the Twitter, hey, SBC, Hash- Screen Verdict gave you a thing of review. Hashtag SBC. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, and, and there's been a lot of buzz for this film for quite a while. Uh, I guess since the Oscars, where Session Baron Cohen rocked up to the Oscars and, like, tipped some ashes on Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest, good-natured as he is, he took it very well. <laughs> yeah. Played along with the joke. Well done, Seacrest. <laughs> Came off well in that exchange. <laughs> I think that uh, it got people excited about this movie because I think People always like shenanigans at the Oscars. People like uh, ruffling some feathers because it's meant to be like the serious Hollywood event of the year. Um, and I think people also like seeing uh, Ryan Seacrest <laughs> get his feathers ruffled too. Like I think it was the perfect storm. Well done, SBC. Yeah, um, done it again. <laughs> that's not SBC. That's McCain. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. This is not. SBC's first ever movie. He's done other movies. This is he's he's been supporting in some other movies like uh, Sweeney Todd and uh, Hugo that we did earlier this year. But he sort of headlined about this is his fourth movie that he's sort of been the brainchild of and a character he's created specifically for a sort of thing. There was the Da Ali G movie. There was Barat. Barat. <laughs> <laughs> Borat. <laughs> Whatever. There was Bruno. Yeah. And there's now The Dictator. Had you seen any of these previous uh, creations of his? I think there might have been a couple of Ali G movies, but uh, I'd seen one of them, and I had more recently seen uh, Borat and Bruno. I quite liked Borat, and I thought Bruno was okay. It's uh, Both of them were pretty dumb, pretty crude, just pushing the boundaries with these ridiculous characters that tried to offend everyone. I think Borat was a little better better with the uh, hit-to-miss ratio, and when it did its sort of social commentary, it worked a little bit more so than in Bruno. Okay, uh, I did not see Borat. I've just seen... (laughs) (laughs) It shows. (laughs) I have seen Bruno, though. I saw that one with some mates uh, when I was up in Brisbane. Not much to do in Brisbane, so I went to see a movie... And, uh, yeah, we saw it. I, I did not like this movie. Um, I thought it was just crude. It was easy comedy. I didn't think it was very clever, the comedy in that movie. I found it just, he was pushing the envelope for the sake of pushing the envelope. So, yeah, did not really like, uh, like that movie. That and I believe Brat were, <laughs> you're gonna laugh every time I say the name of that movie, aren't I? Yeah. Uh, th- th- these are movies that are, 
he's playing a character, he's acting in the movies, but the other people in the movies are real. It's it's a it's sort of a mockumentary documentary. It's sort of I like that concept of of injecting a character that's a fake character into a real world and seeing how people respond and uh, sheds light on culture and things. I, I think so. I don't not like that premise. I just don't think there's much clever about the way Bruno did that. Yeah, these movies are basically a series of sketches that are sort of pranks, really. Mm. Uh, some people are in on it, mm. some of the actors or characters, but yes, it is SBC in a in a weird character, basically just surprising and confusing people mm. with these strange characters. Mm. In The Dictator, we have a film. Every, everyone's in on it, it's just yep. all acting, it's not a prank, it's not a setup. Mm. There are little interjections of sort of fake news footage and... Mm. It kind of gives you a little bit of a documentary feel. Yeah. But it's just a film. Yes. Which I actually thought might be better because it might actually rein in SBC a bit more. Or at least force there to be more of a narrative yes. a story arc throughout the mm. film rather than a series of sketches. Yeah. So I guess this has brought us through to the premise of this movie. Yep. It's a movie about a dictator of a country... In North Africa. Wadia. Uh, yeah. Saharan Africa. Um, I've actually been to Saharan Africa. Um, Morocco. So. Were you a fan? Yeah, really nice. Really nice place. And it was pretty cool to get out to the Saharan Desert and look across. Uh, I remember when I was there, we were in tents with this Moroccan guy. So we were like on, on, on these tents on like the, like in the Saharan Desert. And he was going, oh, just like a. Like, 100 kilometers that way is Algeria, the Algerian border. Uh, you don't want to go there. There's all sorts of political problems. Um, you, you could die. <laughs> just, just don't go in that direction for 100 kilometers. Uh, Sorry to the Algerian listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently things weren't going so well there. They, they were talking up Morocco, their new president or king, or whatever whatever it's called there. Sorry to our Moroccan listeners. They, they, were, t- they were talking about, they're saying he's a young king, he's a new king, he's bringing in exciting... Uh, pro- uh, it was a very conservative country, but I think this new king uh, that they had was on the progressive end of things. And, there, yeah, there was this picture was up all around the place, uh, <laughs> like posters. The people that I spoke to on the streets of Morocco, though, they seemed generally supportive and positive about him. So like, there was some hope. Maybe he was a Barack Obama-type figure in Morocco. Yeah. Sorry to our Republican listeners. <laughs> so sorry for a bit of a sidetrack there. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, he's a dictator of a country in uh, Saharan Africa. He's running a tight ship in this country. He's got a lot of control. What kind of stuff's he getting up to? Uh, he's a dictator, as the title may give away. Mm. And uh, he's up to some shenanigans with some nuclear testing, mm. which uh, the UN is trying to find and stop. And uh, so the reason for this character coming to America uh, is, in order, is in order to have discussions uh, with the UN. Mm. But uh, a little bit of a double crossing goes on. He ends up losing his beard and uh, his royal dress and ends up sort of being on the streets of New York no longer a dictator, sort of having to adapt to life in America. and So a little bit like you don't mess with the Zohan. You basically got comedic actor uh, Adam Sandler or Sacha Baron Cohen 
who was something kind of cool, like a dictator or an assassin in another country, and then just ends up as a regular person on the streets of America. And, ooh, are there some cultural differences that come yeah. out? <laughs> some uh, crazy adventures occur. Yeah, or like uh, the movie Coming to America with Eddie Murphy, uh, <laughs> who, who, who comes to America and has to end up working in a McDonald's-like store. So yeah. as we said before, uh, some safe ground for the dictator. Just yeah. down your line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rehashing Eddie Murphy movies from the <laughs> 80s. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess just the whole film is uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's dictator guy uh, trying to adjust to life in America. And he meets a girl. Played by Anna Faris. Anna Faris. Now, that was interesting to see Anna Faris. The whole movie... I was going, I think I know that actress. <laughs> I've seen her before. I'm de- I wonder who this is. I'm going to have to have to ask Jonathan who played her at the end of the movie. And then at the end of the movie, the credits came up and it said Anna Faris. And I was like, ah, oh, it was Anna Faris. I was a little bit confused as to how she got this part. I didn't think that she was a celebrity or an actress, really. I, she did Scary Movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she was on Entourage playing herself. And yeah. I was like, she's not a big enough actress for E to manage her in Entourage. This is a weird choice. Hmm. Probably proven by the fact that she was in so many episodes of Entourage instead of making movies. Yeah. So to see her in a proper uh, budget film, I guess, was surprising. She was the lead uh, in House Bunny, the House Bunny. (laughs) Um, She also had a uh, role in uh, Lost in Translation, one of my favourites. She's kidding that. (laughs) But is this? Do you reckon they didn't get a bigger name because the biggest name in this movie had to be Sasha Baron Cohen? Like you can't get a Natalie Portman in this movie because then she's the biggest name in the movie. I feel like this is hard news to break to Anna Faris. Like, <laughs> if you're listening, you only got the part because you're a smaller name than Sasha Baron Cohen. He's a pretty big name. I don't yeah. think that's too offensive to say. Um, <laughs> I, I love Anna Faris. I think she's fantastic. Really? Yeah. Did you like her in this? Uh, she's okay. <laughs> she was good in this. Yeah, she did what she was meant to do. Like, it really wasn't about... She was just a straight person that Sasha Baron Cohen was gonna, meant to bounce off. She didn't really bring heat to the table. But I think even if you get... Like, I think no actress is going to bring heat to the table in this role. Because the role wasn't that... Didn't stretch you that much. After a while, the film sort of breaks into two parts. You have sort of a relationshipy type part with... Anna Faris, and then you have the plot kind of stuff with the nuclear scientist Nadal. Mm. Those are kind of the two different sets of scenes we have. The scenes with Nadal progress the story and are hilarious, Mm. and the scenes with Anna Faris I didn't care about and weren't funny. Yeah, I would agree with that. It seemed like the stuff with Anna Faris got in the way of the story, uh, and this is no fault to Anna Faris, and the stuff with Nadal moved along. The story. Yeah, I'd agree with that. One thing about Anna Faris, she had short hair in this movie, (laughs) (laughs) which is why I didn't recognise her at first, because I'm used to her in long blonde hair, and she had short brunette hair in this movie. I think she looks better with uh, long blonde hair. Just, Just putting it out there. My problem with her was not so much the hair as the underarm hair and the smell that comes with being a hippie, feminist, organic yeah. shop owner. Yeah. Like, a lot of his jokes were about how 
she looked like a boy and a young boy and things. She wasn't meant to be that attractive. Maybe a bit like Anne in Arrested Development, where she's sort of meant to look plain and very everyday, but not really ugly. So then when the characters make jokes about them being ugly, it's more funny because it's not... They're being a bit slack to the person. (laughs) Yeah, she's not meant to be really hot in this movie, though, is she? No. Which is interesting because Anna Faris is a pretty hot actress. She's all right. She's no Jennifer Lawrence. Well, who is? (laughs) (laughs) Who's a Jennifer Lawrence? (laughs) Sorry, you can't be on my golf team. You're not as good as Tiger Woods. Like... (laughs) That's such a dated is that, reference. Is that a thing? Golf team? Are you going around forming golf teams? That's the, the team sport of golf. Join Matt's golf team. <laughs> Tiger Woods may apply. <laughs> that is such a dated reference because Tiger Woods is no, not anymore the by far greatest golfer <laughs> of all time. I went through a few others in my head before I said that one. Oh, Michael Jordan, no, he wasn't really that good at basketball Like since like the mid-90s, uh, David Beckham, no, he's sort of, like, being surpassed now, too. And, like, the only name again, I was, oh, Tiger Woods, at least that was still the thousands that he was really good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the, but the stuff that moved the plot... Have you exhausted Anna Faris? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if only. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving along, I guess, to the stuff that we found more interesting, the Nadia, um, or Nadal... Was it Nadal or Nadia? Nadal. Nadal. The Nadal Federer storyline. Yeah, this one. Yeah. Could he use yeah. I could have used Federer. <laughs> or Djokovic. Okay. Another oh. another team sport, tennis. <laughs> you can't be my doubles partner. <laughs> You're not as good as Roger Federer. There you go. Cut that in earlier. So uh, moving on to what we found out, the Nadal uh, Nadal um SBC storyline. What do we think of that? I didn't really care for the storyline as a whole. I think a lot of the developments weren't that clever or interesting Mm -hmm. or definitely believable towards the end. What I did like was some of the offhand one-liners and sort of the set pieces, the kind of comedy bits between the dictator and Nadal, in particular the the scene with the the decapitated head and them on the helicopter. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if you noticed, Jonathan, but that scene on the helicopter, I found very funny. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, I think everyone in the cinema knew. <laughs> they found that very funny, but it was a very good scene. I lost it. I, I don't know if you looked over to me during that scene, but uh, by the end of it, I had tears rolling <laughs> down both of my cheeks and pretty, like, substantial tears, too. Yeah, so sorry for maybe embarrassing you a bit in the cinema with that. <laughs> no, I think it was warranted. The strange thing about the film is some of the the hits, the jokes that work, work so well hmm. that if anything, it accentuates the bad ones. Mm. When you have a, just a, a pieces like that that are so funny, you go, how do they not realise that the other jokes are just so bad in comparison? I'd rather yeah. just have no jokes than jokes that fall flat yeah. after such a good scene. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, some great moments there. Is there anything else you liked about the movie? I didn't like Ben Kingsley. Okay. Didn't like so him in Hugo. So, wait, 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 just wait a second. So, there isn't anything else you liked about the movie. 
we're now going to move on to things you didn't like about the movie. Well, right? there are a couple there, of is there anything you liked not... in the movie and you were like, I'll tell you what I didn't like. <laughs> Do you know who I liked in the movie? Uh, we had Chris Parnell back. <laughs> yes! <laughs> we were so excited. We were going to Singapore. Well, let's check this. Let's count. Because um, we had... Uh, I'd gotten complaints from people about our last review on Parks and Recreation having no Chris Parnell mentions. He's been in at least three of our last five podcasts. <laughs> Somewhat coincidentally, we're not picking them for him. And he's just popping up in all these movies we're seeing. So it was great to see him again. Uh, yeah, pretty funny. MVP. The MVP of the movie. <laughs> Chris Parnell's the news reporter who just does a little bit of commentary and has maybe like two jokes the whole movie. <laughs> Um, eh, fair enough. Okay, so you didn't like Ben Kingsley. Yeah, he ruined Hugo, and considering the, uh, the film didn't know when not to do any jokes, he was in this film a lot of the time without really doing that many jokes, and when he did, they weren't funny. Mm. Good on you, Ben Kingsley, for not being very good in two out of the two movies that I've mentioned you in on the podcast. Did, uh, now, Cesarean Cullen was also in Hugo. Is this how Ben Kingsley got the role? They were hanging out all on the Hugo set? Hey, man, you're a really funny guy. Why don't you come <laughs> along and uh, be in my new, uh, my new crazy comedy movie, <laughs> Ben Kingsley? Yeah, maybe. That's, that's yeah. Actually, I'm going to say definitely. That's yeah. exactly how it mm. happened. Yeah. I, st- I think this film was a lot more restrained than Bruno. I still think a couple of times they seem to push the envelope for the sake of it and sort of be a bit crude maybe for the sake of it. And, like, I, I think, and maybe this is a problem with SBC, like, uh, and you were saying earlier, how does he know when, like, when he's got some jokes that are so funny, some things that work so well, how does he not realise other jokes aren't as funny? So sometimes if, if something is crude enough or pushes the envelope enough, he'll always fall on the side of, well, we'll keep that in because that's funny. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm. I would say that it's not as controversial or as offensive as Borat and Bruno. No. Both in terms of topic and graphic nature, there's yeah. not that much incredibly overt sexual references or nudity or that kind of no. thing. In terms of the topics, there are a few offensive things, mm-hmm. but... um. I think that was actually pulled off reasonably well. I think, for example, the the Wii games. He was playing yeah. this version of the Wii where they're sort of reenacting terrorists. certain atrocities yeah. and terrorist acts, and that's that's definitely pushing the envelope. But mm. that's one of the times I did find it funny. I don't, yeah, I don't mind the lines being crossed. Like comedy is all about taking risks and going that extra, saying things that other people would be too afraid to say, and it's funny to see that happen. And I don't mind that at all. It's more the stuff like where he like lands on the window and you see his penis <laughs> and things like that where yeah. I'm a bit like, you know what, that doesn't actually make it more funny. Yeah. And there's also the bit where they had a bit where he's dangling, taking heavy stuff out of his pockets, and the big punch line is um, he poos to lose weight. I actually thought all the stuff leading up to that was funnier than the poo bit. Yeah. Like, I thought the stuff about the bricks and the bananas, like, I thought that was hilarious. And then the other bit was like, eh, it's not terribly unfunny, but it's a bit of a letdown after the funnier jokes right beforehand. Yeah, so, when I'm talking that. about crude, that's more the kind of thing I'm talking about than the 
the stuff that crosses that line and you, oh, I can't believe someone said that on a movie. That's actually, that actually I thought was pulled off quite well. Do you think, Jeremy, it's time to get to the our segment, everyone's favourite segment or second favourite segment on the podcast? <laughs> Just so many popular segments <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. Hard to keep a track of. <laughs> but yes, I think it's time for what did the dictator teach us? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was looking at the letters you wrote down, and I was like, what are, what's that an acronym for? There's like eight <laughs> letters. Why have you written down eight letters? What has the dictator taught us? Oh, okay, yeah. So, Jonathan, what has the dictator taught you? The dictator, Matt, has taught me that America is pretty much a dictatorship. Mm. At some point in the film, Sacha Baron Cohen gives a speech, and it's supposed to be funny, but it's also a bit of a point, a social social message he has for mm. the film in which he describes all the benefits of a dictatorship, which are meant to parody all the situations that are currently going on in, Amer- in America. Mm. And while I thought it wasn't that subtle, um, it was a bit of like, here's the message of the film, I did think it was quite funny and did have quite a good point. Mm. Somewhere that I was perhaps mildly surprised to see SBC go. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was followed up by another sort of speech supposed to be representing a character term, which is entirely unbelievable, not funny, and without a point. But the, yeah. that first part in which uh, sort of parodying the, the state of politics in America was quite educational. Yeah, um, the, and it's a shame the second half of that speech does sort of take a bit away from the first half of that speech because it sort of shifts focus away from that message that he's trying to trying to... So, and yeah, maybe this is sort of similar to the thing I learnt from uh, what the dictator has taught me or what, whatever, <laughs> something I've learnt from the movie, is that you, you might have thought people already knew this after Sacha Baron Cohen films, uh, but maybe what I learnt from this film as a result of that speech is that Sacha Baron Cohen has balls. Um, because I'm not... <laughs> and a penis. Yeah, well, <laughs> we knew that. Um, but no, um, I think he, in that speech... It was a little, like, it was very hitting over the head with it. But I think it's an important message, and I think it's a message that I'm not really seeing said that explicitly in any other films coming out of America or coming out of Hollywood. So I was really appreciative of that. Perhaps the other thing this film has taught me, Anna Faris, yeah, she, uh, not a bad uh, masturbation coach. (laughs) (laughs) Is Is that fair enough? Oh, I think her advice was pretty limited, and he kind of took it from there. I don't, um... She's to the point. <laughs> well, if you're looking for some tips, uh, perhaps Anna Faris in The Dictator could be the uh, place for you. Yeah. So let's give our verdict, uh, Jonathan. Let's give the uh, the old screen verdict on The Dictator. The Dictator is a bad film. It has a fairly poor story with quite a few bad characters unbelievable plot events and character turns but there are some very very funny things sprinkled throughout the film it's i don't want to just say it's hit or miss because some of the hits are so good it's actually surprising it's just amazing how funny the film can be in parts but it's generally a bad film so it's quite hard to give it a rating i'm gonna say that because those hits are so high you might not be able to find as funny moments in any other film this year. Well. So in some ways, I think they outdo the bad parts of the film. I think for my screen verdict, I'm going to have to give The Dictator a 6 out of 10. Okay, 6 out of 10. 
it's interesting my verdict on this film because I don't think I would make the even though I laugh so much in that helicopter scene uh, joke and I, I that is probably going to be one of the funniest scenes in film this year. I'm not sure if I'm going to be as bold as saying just how amazing the hits were for this film as you, but I'm also probably not as critical on the things I didn't like uh, about the film as you, as opposed to maybe uh, his past ever that I've seen. I think this film storyline was flawed, but I think there was a cohesive storyline this film. It was unrealistic, but I sort of was expecting it to be. Uh, like, I think it, it took you somewhere and had, I think, partly a good message at the end. It actually took you to a place. Yeah, so I think this worked as a film uh, where maybe SBC's films haven't in the past. I think there's some incredibly funny bits. And it's just a shame, I think from his past efforts, maybe he has perfect. Uh, he has uh, improved his filter of what works and what doesn't, but I still don't think it's perfected and there is stuff getting through into the final cut that sort of takes away from the film. I'll give it a 7. I'll give it a 7 out of 10. I, I thought it was a good film. I I enjoyed it and thought there was some good stuff in there. There you go. That's a screen verdict. Mm, yes. Let's uh, open the door on housekeeping. I think it's a pretty empty uh, room, the housekeeping room, this uh, podcast, perhaps. Um, we're, we're all gearing up uh, for our Lorax podcast coming up. Right, Who Jonathan? Who is we? I know you don't want to do this. I've been trying to convince this guy for, like, a couple of weeks to do a Lorax podcast. <laughs> it wasn't very topical two weeks ago. Less so now. <sighs> anyway, I'll try to twist his arm, guys. <laughs> yeah, could maybe be a, a 30 Rock podcast in the next few weeks. Mm, yeah. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.